to Weird Science, a psychology podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Emily. And today we are talking about... Honor killings. No, this is not a... <laughs> no. You can't do a funny voice for this. Yeah, I know, you're right. <laughs> it's not good. I mean, half the stuff that we do, we probably should have do a funny intro for, but... Yeah, because we pick, <clears throat> keep picking, like, the most depressing topics out there. Uh, we tried we tried lightening it up with some some stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dogs. Dogs. Yeah. Should do that more often. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, so, honor killings. Honor um, killings. Or should I say dishonorable killings? Ooh. Honestly. I mean, for real, though, right? Yeah, no murder is honorable, yeah. but we'll get into it. Maybe unless you murder, like, your abuser or something. I'll take that as an honor killing. That? That's self-defense, Emily. <laughs> but they did it in their own honor. Okay. Yeah, going with that. Okay. So I guess I'll be starting us off? Yes. With some not-so-fun facts, I'm sure. Nope. Not at all. Um, I'm just gonna get really angry, probably. Fun. And, um, maybe I'll cry later. We'll find out. Okay, cool. We have alcohol for that later. Great. All right. So, honor killing. And note that every time I say honor, I'm using big air quotation marks. Usu Very angry yes. air quotation marks. Angry. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, violent gestures yeah. with it. Okay. Honor killing usually involves a female victim and a male perpetrator with the motivation of the crime being that the female in the eyes of the male, has brought dishonor on the family name in some way. Again, that's not every single killing in this definition, but that's like a good number of them. According to the insight... Oh, I forgot to name my sources, so let me do that really fast. Encyclopedia Britannica, Amnesty International, Global Citizen, and Psychology Wiki. Yay. Yay. Um, so according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, in patriarchal societies, the activities of girls and women are closely monitored. The maintenance of a woman's virginity and sexual purity, quotes, are considered to be the responsibility of male relatives, first her father and brothers, then her husband. Victims of honor killings are usually are alleged to have engaged in sexually immoral actions ranging from openly conversing with men who are not related to them to having sex outside of marriage even if they are victims of rape or sexual assault and let me just stop you right there encyclopedia britannica because first of all i would not consider rape or sexual assault sex but I, I, know I can I know literally what they're getting feel at. the disdain. Like it's, it's a physical presence right now in this room. Yeah, because it's like dripping from your voice. Let's let's just let's just break this down. One, what a woman does with her body consensually is not anybody's fucking business, and I don't care who you are. Like women, they do not deserve to get killed just because. She, she somehow, like, disappointed you. Like, what? Like, so, okay. So, she did something that you see as immorally impure. You don't get to fucking kill her for it. Like, that's 
what? Like, if I have to explain to you why that's wrong, you're listening to the wrong podcast, honey. <laughs> or maybe the right one. Maybe get your head out of your fucking ass. <laughs> anyway. And, oh, <laughs> I forgot what I wrote. I was like, if I have to explain to you how that's wrong, you should probably just ship yourself out to sea and die of exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, girl. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, Laura is holding is is holding back no punches here. Next one, <laughs> and like obviously, again, a lot of these are alleged. Like, there's not even proof that these women have done any of this, mm-hmm. and you still like that's like, you know, like even if it was like. First of all, it's never okay to kill anyone for anything. But second of all, you don't even know for sure that it actually happened and you're willing to kill over it? Yeah. Okay, so of course there are many, many other ways of quote-unquote dishonoring the family slash your chauvinist pig husband, (laughs) including refusing to enter an arranged marriage, asking for a divorce, and, and that's like, you can ask like your family like will you support me in my decision to divorce my abusive terrible husband and they'll be like no we'll kill you and it's like great that's great that's great too oh i wrote basically if you are not essentially a piece of furniture in your house that sits quietly except when cooking cleaning or letting your husband fuck you in some households you can be deserving of death great <laughs> Um, and according to the United Nations Popul- uh, Populations Fund, approximately 5,000 women are murdered each year from honor killings, but the rates could be much higher yeah. because a lot of these are unreported. Um, and honestly, I think it would be much, much higher if we got rid of some of like the more nuanced parts of the definition, which involves like somehow involving like your community right like that's what a lot of honor killings are defined as is if you somehow like like if the community supported your killer it's more Mm. of an honor killing but i feel like anytime you shouldn't just be on the individual who does like the murder right like anytime a woman disappoints a man and a man decides that she's deserving of death because of the way she quote unquote wronged him. Yeah. I feel like that should count as an honor killing. And if that was the case, there would be a lot of honor killings. Yeah. <laughs> All across the, the the whole world. Because like, as of right now, most of the cases that um, are reported as honor killings are seen in the Middle East and South Asia. But and and those are not the only places they occur. Mm-hmm. Like they occur a lot of different places, yeah. a lot of different countries. I think in Brazil, it's a, especially a big problem with honor killings of gay individuals mm-hmm. of the family because that's seen as a dishonor. Yeah. But like, I mean, it happens in the United States too. Like, yeah. it's not it's not any one location. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if they again widen that definition just a little bit of like. Are you somebody who was killed because you somehow, like, wronged your intimate partner? Or, like, I just don't understand why we have to give this a special definition and call it an honor killing. I feel like, no, it's all fucking rooted in sexism and the patriarchy, so let's just call it what it fucking is and not call it an honor killing and not say it's only a problem in, like, the Middle East and South Asia. Because it's not! fucking a problem everywhere okay sorry 
as my little rant. Like, I already understand this is a topic that is now, like, your soapbox, and I'm just going to let you do your thing. Yep. So, yeah, like, just to, like, prove a point, this was in the Encyclopedia Britannica about honor killings in Middle Eastern and South Asian countries. It says, In the relatively uncommon event that a man was prosecuted for the killing, the subsequent subsequent trial would often focus on the woman's alleged behavior rather than the violence committed against her. When a man was found guilty, which, like, never happens, uh, the defendant could claim that the crime had been committed to restore sullied family honor and petition the court for a reduced sentence. Which, is that not, like, the same fucking thing that happens to, like, victims of domestic violence and sexual assault in the United States, for example? Like, the same thing happens. Woman accuses a man of rape, and all they can fucking talk about is, what a great guy he was, and you're really yeah. ruining his life mm-hmm. by doing this. And well, so what was she wearing? Were you drunk? Yeah, and, and like... W- Did you, you, would you accept some of his, you know, advances earlier? Right, right. And it's like, yeah, so I'm, I'm just hearing that honor killings are basically like a like western society of saying like we don't do that when we're doing the exact same fucking thing yeah and it's just giving it a different we just call it regular murder if they kill her right and it's like and honestly it should be the same like i think we just try to like as a white western society remove ourselves from it and pretend like we don't suffer from the same issues oh yeah what's it child brides that doesn't happen here right right and talking about (laughs) slavery huh what that doesn't yeah. yeah and then and we we get to like point at other cultures and be like, it's really their problem, and this is why, and we're going to nuance it in this way so it looks like it's a their problem, when in reality it's happening, like, Yeah, everywhere. and we also go, oh, look, they're so backwards and oppressive there. Exactly. And it's like... Not us. Oh, yeah, not us. Not us. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, fucking us. You're just calling it something else. Okay. Okay, so this is... I should mention that these honor killings are not limited to female family members, as I said before, but are also extended to any member of the family who has caused a disappointment somehow. So sometimes even, so like if a male relative is helping his female relative out of like a, an abusive marriage, sometimes they'll kill both of them Yeah, because mm-hmm. he helped her. So he's also in the wrong. Yeah. Or if you have a family member who's part of the LGBTQ community, you like in some places they might be killed just because they're, part you know just because they identify as a different sexuality or yeah and again that's that's the idea that they're sullying the family name like how can our son daughter be gay and you know what that's going to mean for us because like you know in some i know the whole thing whether they talk about with eastern countries is it's always about like the collectivism and stuff and so that can get taken also negatively twisted is that anything you do affects everyone else in your family right or is seen to perceived to right right exactly and I should note, because it is it is Pride Month, and I don't want to, like, skip over this, because I think it is a big issue, especially in the United States, but, like, violence against black trans women mm. as honorable killings of, like, she tripped me, yeah. or whatever. I mean, isn't there, like, bullshit. average age, like, 36 or something? So, okay, I did look into that, because yeah. I originally had written, like, the average lifespan of a black trans woman mm-hmm. is only 35. It's actually not true, and I okay. and I did look into it. It's a higher number. No, 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 no. no. Um, I don't know what the average life. I don't think okay. there's data on that. Gotcha. Where that number comes from is eighty percent of victims of 
murders um, who are trans are under the age of 35, but that's already including like just victims alone. And most most murder victims across the board are under are pretty young, so it's not like a huge okay. surprising statistic. But I, it's still a problem. Yeah, no, 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 because they're getting targeted <laughs> for something very specific. Right, and I and I couldn't find anywhere that said like most victims of like sexual violence are black or trans or mm-hmm. I couldn't find any of any statistics like that, but I do know that it is called an epidemic and they can't just be like, I, you know, it is a problem. Yeah. It's a problem that black trans women are not safe walking down the street. Yeah. Cause know? they're going to be targeted for being black and trans. And it's exactly. like, that is something we can very specifically target because Hey, don't hate on black or trans people, right? That's right. something we should and they're try like, to teach people. Exactly. And they're such an easy target because they are two things that this world has decided they're somehow lesser. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting yeah. that that is the case. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. So I, I'm not saying that black trans women are not targets of violence. I think they are. And I think that's a problem. And we need to help solve that problem so if you would like to do so you can go to black trans advocacy coalition um the website is blacktrans.org and you can donate to them because they help um like during corona they've been all of their or a lot of their money has been going towards creating care packages Mm. for um women like who can't seek medical attention because um yeah they just fucking passed in the Supreme Court that it's okay if you're a medical provider and you decide you just don't want to give a woman yeah. health coverage just because she's trans. Yeah. And that's disgusting. And so, yeah, so during corona, that's what this organization has been doing is trying to get care packages for women who are in need of medical assistance. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously not hospital-worthy, but, like, you know, you're sick at home with the flu. Anything. You can't work. Yeah. You can't go out. You, yeah, so they're... And the doctor now has the right to turn you away. Exactly. So they're making care packages for yeah. um, those individuals, and they do a lot of di- um, good work. Anything, it's definitely proof that in this country that health is uh, something if you can pay for it, right? If you can afford it, or right. like it's not, it's not something that's just due to you by being a human being, right? Uh, healthcare isn't a human right. What are you, what are you talking, talking about? about? What do you need to pay for it? Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Pursuit of happiness. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> It's right. It's they're saying, well, you know, you have to, yeah. There's hoops and things, qualifications you have to reach in order to have it, which exactly. is kind of fucked up to think. Yeah, your whole quality of life really can depend on your health. Yeah. So I, I think it would be good, you know, in the name of Pride Month, to go check that website mm-hmm. out, or you know, if you see a GoFundMe for a trans woman or man in your community that mm-hmm. needs assistance, like give them five bucks for a coffee or something, you yeah. know. Little things that can help out. Um, now let's get into some of, like, the why or, you know, some of the explanations, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, for honor killings. Obviously, no explanation is good because no. it's all bullshit. You're um, not you're not giving, like, it's, it's an explanation but not a, what's the word? Excuse? Yeah. yeah not, it's an explanation, <laughs> yeah. not an excuse. Right. I'll tell you what happened, why it happens, but that doesn't mean you're allowed to fucking do it. Right. right. Jackass. So, first of all, I want to emphasize that it has to do with the culture in which it commonly occurs. It has nothing to do with religion or the color of your skin. It it has everything to do with the fucking patriarchy and believing that women are property. And that men 
who may help them are complicit in their crimes, and that other sexualities that go against the hetero norm are wrong because only cis man dominating cis woman is allowed. So, no, it doesn't have to fucking do with if somebody's a Muslim or mm-hmm. they come from a Muslim community. Because that's like, because again, a lot of these that's crimes the happen in the idea. South Asia, mm-hmm. Middle East, where, yes, Muslim is a, like, Muslims are common. Yeah. It, Islam, Islam is a common has been religion. used to oppress women, but that's, again, the patriarchy using it. Right. And then it's also and still it been also, using Christianity. You, that's yeah. what I'm getting at, yeah. is that it fucking happens in Christianity, too, and mm-hmm. if you want to pretend it doesn't, you're putting on your blinders, and you're ignoring real-life problems, yeah. because it's not a fucking Muslim thing. No. It's every society, again, it's culture. It's culture mm-hmm. that believes that man needs to dominate woman. Mm-hmm. And that man gets to control what woman does. And again, that extends to different sexualities because man dominating women entirely surrounds the idea of penis into vagina, getting to control that. Yeah. and, and I have some, like, quotes I'm, from, I'm like, actual experts. I'm guessing also that lesbian because... women are not necessarily targeted for honor killings just because of the fact that well, it's not real sex and stuff like that. Right, exactly. And, and that's I, I, gay didn't, men. I didn't necessarily look into – because I know there's a lot of really great research connecting different sexualities to the idea um, and, like, how they go against the patriarchy mm-hmm. and why specifically, um, like, how they're sexist in their different – like, so I know, right, okay, so a gay man is an abomination, a gay woman is a joke, right? Yeah. Like, gay man is disgusting, you should never do that, but gay woman, well, what's the harm? It's, it's, it's nothing, like, it doesn't, and the reason that Men there's watch that- watch lesbian porn, right? Right. Like and the, it doesn't harm them, and, unless their girlfriend leaves them for a woman, and then it's probably right. all hell breaks loose. But like there and there are different reasons for that. But because we're talking specifically about honor killings today, I didn't do that research. Yeah. But it's out there, and it all fucking goes back again and to when the you listen to this. Patriarchy. Feel free to go to the winds in whatever direction you'd like to go to further your knowledge. We can't be expected to cover everything. Right. So yes, Islam, much like Christianity, has been used to sort of advocate for oppressing women oppressing women in various ways but again it's fucking christianity it's uh, people are just going to use whatever lens they want to view their oppression through through they're gonna fucking going right they're just gonna fucking use whatever is convenient to them Mm -hmm. to get what they want yeah and they're gonna word it in a way where they know they can get supporters behind it yeah so it has everything to do with the culture of sexism nothing to do with religion yeah it's specifically yeah, yeah, yeah inherently okay there is a belief in these you know s- societies uh, again it depends on where you are but i think that these are just i think that these views run rampant everywhere they're just varying degrees of watered down mm-hmm. so i will say that this is more for the extreme communities with more extreme beliefs, mm-hmm. but again, it gets watered down into what she, what was she wearing? Yeah. Into, you know, those little, little issues that pop up everywhere. Yeah. Um, so there is a belief in some communities very strongly, and again, to some extent, sons and 
that's most of the time when it's a, a gay issue that there's this belief that they are these sons and daughters are only a symbol of the family's honor and that they can be tarnished and that if they are tarnished they need to be permanent re permanently removed in order to restore honor to the family so according to Sharif Kanana an anthropology professor at Burtseat University in Palestine honor killings in Arab societies can be traced historically to the desire to control women for fertility purposes in order to grow the strength of their own populations and I am paraphrasing here this okay. is not a direct quote and that if so if women are raped by outsiders or maybe have consensual sex with outsiders then the men in their tribe would have lost control over that woman's fertility so now they must kill her in order to restore control and make sure that you know whatever baby she's having are going to their tribe not the other tribes so this is more of an evolutionary theory mm -hmm. of kind of like going back to like when we were more in like caveman zone yeah other theories uh link back to the desire of men to control women in all ways and using their cultural beliefs that in order to advocate or I, I don't know what I'm, word I'm looking for but whatever in order to push that women are inferior to men and must be subordinate to men in order and they will use this belief in order to justify harsh punishments um, whenever those women allegedly step out of line so it just kind of depends like I think we can all agree that like it all boils down to sexism it all boils mm -hmm. down to the belief that <laughs> i wrote something really eloquent here i'm gonna read it okay to the idea that penis man must only dominate vagina woman <laughs> everything else is wrong <laughs> so. it don't make babies yeah exactly <laughs> so yes there's the evolutionary theories that it links back to reproduction and trying to grow your tribe or whatever mm -hmm. but i think that evolution theories we've kind of critiqued in the past for being a little limiting and not really looking at the nuances of current culture and how like why things happen today because it kind of goes it, and and it can get, kind of get messed up so whatever i'm just saying it's one theory out there there are other theories there were a lot of examples of how cultures in different um, countries like specifically justified those horrific murders and like i think in brazil it links back to the cultural belief of uh machismo so like the the macho man yeah and um believing that men must be very strong and dominant and powerful so there are little nuances to each culture mm -hmm. and like specifically why they think these killings are okay in certain again small community groups but it all waters down to penis man dominates yes. vagina woman thank you eloquently put yes. emily thank you mm. i just i was quoting a, a good source <laughs> oh, thank you yeah amazing yeah so let's so let's bring up another reason why despite many countries looking at you usa claim to have quote-unquote evolved past these issues honor killings and patriarchal violence remain rampant Law enforcement officers are absolute shit when it comes to dealing with domestic and sex sexual violence in general. But, like, imagine if you specifically grew up in a culture where these honor killings are accepted, then even if 
and and you grow up to be a law enforcement officer, even if it happens and you know it's illegal, you're probably just going to look the other way because yeah. you grew up in this society that thinks that's okay. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm looking at you, USA, because this happens all the fucking time. I love your statistic of a study that was done in Florida where 40% of police officers openly admitted to being domestic abusers. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, so are are they actually going to take women seriously when they report domestic abuse? I don't fucking think so. Yeah. So, yeah, these honors ki- killings continue to happen because, one, the culture that they happen in is okay with it or just doesn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. And, two, the people who are supposed to prevent it from happening are part of that culture. So they also think it's okay, and they're not going to prosecute it. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. And so finally, just to like, you know, wrap this up, I kind of, I already said this in the beginning Mm -hmm. just to get out of the way, but obviously there is no honor in these honor killings. And that's probably an outdated term. And I saw a lot of sources that are really trying to like change that and get it called something else or just call, like, just call it murder. Yeah. Call it what it fucking is. Cause there's nothing honorable about it you're just killing someone exactly so and again i think it perpetuates a kind of racist view of it of like oh honor killings that only happens in like muslim cultures Mm -hmm. or in south asian cultures middle east it's like no it fucking does it happens everywhere we just give it that special name for whatever reason probably again a racist reason or in those cultures or like in our culture we're just like it kind of like almost advocates for it. It like continues to perpetuate the idea that there is some sort of honor in it when there isn't. Yeah. So just considering that maybe it should be called something else or just called murder. All right. And now Emily's going to cheer us up. Well, I'll say this because I knew this was going to be a heavy topic. Um, so of course, like my options were, yeah, I could go read some stories about why people killed their daughters or gay sons. Mm-hmm. Instead, um, the reason why I picked this topic is because I wanted to talk about a story from a documentary I saw back in college. So feel free to break open that bottle of Moscato because I'm going to take you on a wild journey. Okay. Like it's – all right. Good times. So in Amman, Jordan, Norma and Dahlia were like sisters, having been only born a few months apart in 1970. They met at the age of three in a park and were inseparable ever since despite the religious divide between them. Norma was Catholic, and uh, Dolly was described as coming from, like, a very devout Muslim family. Mm-hmm. So, at the age of 15, they realized they were capable of opening a beauty shop in the city. There was quotes 15. about, like... 15? Wow. Yeah. Well, not saying that at 15 they opened it, but okay. mostly just at that 15, at the, they were, like, feeling stifled by their families. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just basically being set up to be good wives. They right. wanted to do something more. I guess it was. it's not, like, super uncommon in some places to get married at that age. So. Yeah. Or so. to be forced into marriage at that age. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they opened it up at that young, but I do know that that's that's it was quoted when they realized that that was something they could do. At the very least, it was actually in the May of 1990, so they were about 20. They mm-hmm. held their grand opening of their unisex beauty salon. Mm-hmm. So Dahlia's brother Muhammad was assigned as their kind of quote unquote watchdog. Uh, he walked Dahlia to and from work, and he stayed at the beauty shop with them all day, kind of keeping an eye over them. And the popularity of their salon was said to have come from the fact that it was the only salon that served mixed clientele. Um, and this is what led to Dahlia meeting Michael, who was a Christian military man. Mm. 
Dahlia fell in love with Michael and he was equally as besotted with her. And so with the help of Norma, they were able to kind of rendezvous on a few dates. Um, basically, they would chart like where their fathers or Muhammad were expected to be throughout the day and like kind mm. of avoid those areas. Um, they were, you know, of course, very anxious about kind of trying to get, a, you know, not let the families know. Um, right. And while the two were out, um, they would often tell people that they were siblings. Because, I mean, while his name was Michael, he was very much Arab. Mm. Um, it was said to be very, uh, the reason why Dahlia liked him, because he was so di- different from, like, the, ex- the men she had been around and stuff. Um, much more kind of a carefree, not as oppressive, mm. <laughs> I guess you'd say. Though, so, at some point, Dahlia became very worried that her brother knew. Uh, he, she believed that he had spotted the couple at a cafe and ever since then had been acting really strange. Um, so unfortunately, this is sounding more and more familiar. You, you might know this story. I, I will say until I watched the documentary, I had not heard of the story, but you might know. I might it. have seen the documentary. You is may what have. I'm thinking. That's why I didn't want to say it at the beginning, <laughs> just in case. Um, so not long after Dahlia was stabbed to death by her father, um, it's unknown to the extent uh, which her, to which her brothers participate in the killing, just because of that uh, kind of air of silence around it. Um, her family is said to have waited until after they knew that she could not be revived to call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned with the honor killings to them, this was the way of saving their family's honor and right. also saving Dahlia's soul. Norma would like everyone to know at the time of death, Dahlia had never slept with Michael. The two had only ever kissed and held hands. Right. But in some cases, just talking to another guy yeah, is yeah. enough. So it's like, this doesn't surprise me, yeah. I guess. So uh, Norma was briefly allowed to see her friend's body, you know, and... The, you dealt with the emotions that came with that. Um, and angered over her friend's tragic death, Norma left J- Jordan to Greece and wrote Dahlia's story, known as uh, most commonly known as Forbidden Love. At the time, the only book she was able to get a hold of in English was Hannibal Lecter, uh, which was published by the Random House. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she contacted them trying to, you know, get Dahlia's story out there. Wow. Yeah. They, of course, told her, we only talked to agents. So she got redirected. She ended up finding um, one who was very excited about her book. I'm sorry. When you first said that, I thought they said, we only talk to Asians. And oh. I was like, Does, isn't she? I guess Jordan's in Africa. And I was, like, very confused for a second. <laughs> no. Anyway, continue. Agents. Agents. Yes. <laughs> Secret Asian man. man. And every time it's like, Asian man? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Never mind. Oh, okay. So, um, getting the book published, she was able to land a six-figure contract, but to Norma, she said her only wish was to have the book published. She wanted to get Dahlia's story out there. She said that, you know, in the interview, she's like, I didn't even read the contract. I just, they told me they were going to publish it, and so I said yes. Hmm. So, the book was published in 16 countries and sold somewhere between 250,000 to 500,000 copies around the world. Yeah, and the book really made it – the reason why it made, like, just such a huge impact because it was a first-person account of something mm-hmm. like this. Um, it wasn't her memoir. Um, so she used the book to bring attention to honor killings and the judicial codes in Jordan that allow these killings to happen. As you mentioned, I mean, you know, getting persecuted is very rare, and then actually, like, having, like, a, a sentence for murder right. is basically non-existent. And so she wanted – Just, like, getting persecuted for rape here. Yeah, yeah, like, mm. basically, Yeah. She wanted the UN to take notice and put pressure on the Jordanian government. And Norma, as a refugee, by the when she was getting the contract for the book worked out, she was in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in New York 
with I think Random House is Australian based, and it sounds like Simon and Shuster is American. Um, I, yeah, that one is. Yeah, so I think that's who she was with because it, it got published under different companies in different countries. So um, as a refugee, she was relocated to Australia. She was not sure. Basically, she was a refugee because she didn't think that it, she was, was pretty sure that if she returned home, having told this story, her family was going to also honor kill her. Right. Like that was a high chance of that. So the book did incredibly well as the story was not only shocking, but striked at the heart of the Western world's interest in Middle Eastern culture. She said that by shining uh, this light onto honor killings and what happens is she brought a fatwa on her head and lived in fear of someone in the Muslim community coming after her. Uh, women in Jordan contacted Norma to help get out from abusive situations, and she is said to have helped fund four women's escape. Now this is all grand and wonderful. Now I'm going to ask you to hold on to your, the seat of your pants because I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Hmm. So Wait, wait, I want to guess. Okay. The friend was never killed. Dude, easy. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so uh, I will admit, I am very sorry I did not, I don't think I got the name of this journalist. Uh, I meant to go back and like go and find it. Totally forgot to do that. <gasps> I have another guess. She is the friend. And she is the one dating the dude. And her friend got killed because of her. But then they switched places or something. I don't know. Okay, never mind. Go on. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So I just want to say, I unfortunately did not get the name of the journalist. She, you know, she said it in the movie. They didn't put the little type down it. So I was like, that's, an, you know, it's, it's she's from Jordan. So I was like, yeah, I don't know how to spell that on my own. But they did. I like it when they put the little titles of their names at the right. bottoms and stuff. But they didn't do that. And I was like, I should go back and look at this up. I, I didn't do that. I can't watch anything without subtitles on because I won't understand I watched this on YouTube, it. so I didn't um. watch the subtitles with it. Otherwise, yeah, I would have too because some of the accents, some of the words they said I had a little See, hard time with. See, it doesn't even matter for me. It's oh. like any anyone yeah. talking. I'm well, like, I will I point out that subtitles. it was the Australian man who was like, what did he just say? Like, how many times I listened to this man say 250,000 to 500,000 copies was like six times trying to figure out what those numbers were because <laughs> I could not understand him with his accent. I was like, fuck, screw this. The, the, the women from Jordan understood perfectly just the name I didn't know how to spell. Right. Um, so yeah, so a journalist from the Jordan Times who is well-versed in the honor killing issue in Jordan for 12 years, she has devoted her life to this cause and to getting it published at size, um, getting the word out there, talking about it and stuff like that. Um, so to her, she knows about any and all honor killings in Jordan. And so she has no idea what Norma is talking about. Hmm. And then Dr. Amal A. Say Sabah, is that how you pronounce the last name? Um, who is with the Jordan National Committee for Women. I missed what exactly she does for them, but I'm going to assume she's like big important lady with that group she sees the book as a gross misrepresentation of jordan and mm. so shall we count the errors okay so in the book immediately from the get-go norma claims the jordan river runs through amman it doesn't uh she also doesn't seem to know what countries border it claiming kuwait and lebanon as two that do they do not so didn't even look at a map when she wrote this i was kind of curious about the name norma I thought it didn't sound very, like, it sounds like a very white old lady name. Yeah. You know what I mean? But don't worry, we're going to get there. Okay. Also. I didn't want to be judgy. That's okay. No, I was, wasn't normal, but uh, that's, okay. that's probably the only real thing about her right now is her name. Also, was looked at is you cannot get a permit from a salon union in Jordan to open a unisex salon shop. 
It's just not a thing. Okay, I was also curious about that because I was like, women can't show their hair to men, so are there like different sections? Like men go over there yeah. and women go over They here. mentioned that if you're going to have a salon that does operate to both men and women, is they're going to have completely different sections. Right. The two cannot see each other, and you're not going to have a woman cutting a man's hair. Right, like, that's, that's what I knew. Yeah. I was like, that eh, must be what they're doing, but yeah. no. Okay. And then, according to Norma, uh, in, this, in the book, in her book, there was a cafe that Dahlia and Michael frequented in 1996, which is according. It's basically this is the journalist going off of the timeline of when mm-hmm. the death happened. Is that they had to have gone in 1996, right. uh, which opened. In, this cafe though opened in 1997. Okay, that one's not as big of a deal. No, to it's me, not. But. <laughs> but she uh, she also mentions a type of currency known as a dinar that was not introduced until the early 2000s, mm. a brand of cigarette that was not sold in Jordan until 1997, and a, a Hyatt hotel that was still under construction during the time that she claimed it was visited by men of her and Dahlia's family, a gym where she and Dahlia got a membership that did not open until 2003, and a store called The Music Box, which does not actually have a branch in that in their town. Now, the biggest insult is that uh, according to the journalist, was that Norma's say that Dahlia's life was like any other Muslim uh, woman's life, completely controlled by a man. Uh, wherever she went, whatever she did was commanded by a man. And then, so the journalist was, of course, insulted because she's like, that's never been my life. I'm Muslim. Right. She went and interviewed a bunch of women on the street who were, you know, moving freely without a man. Men were not covering their hair, were going to school, doing all these things. Right. And we're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she felt like it really perpetuated this Western idea that the Middle East is a backwards, oppressive country. Uh, so the journalists even traveled to the street where the honor killing supposedly took place, like where the house was. Um, no one that she met to on the street, even people who had lived there for like over a decade and who would have been there at the time when it happened, they did not know about this killing. They did not recognize the Dahlia, uh, the name Dahlia, and even the Jordan Women's Union, which was very close in the area. I think it was on the same street. Didn't know anything about it either. And they were kind of surprised to hear about it because they're like, well, we offer legal aid and you know resources to women in abusive situations. We've never met a Dahlia or a Norma. They had right. a picture. Like, we never seen these two women. They never came to us. We don't know anything about what you're talking about. You know, I was going to tisk tisk you, like, off off recording Mm -hmm. about doing one in the middle east i I was gonna be like that's so stereotypical of you emily what like we we try to do things that are out of the box we try to think around the system (laughs) what is wrong with and now i get it yeah yeah i get it it's it's a whole thing because part of what got me about this story was um again like it really it really sold in the western community because this is exactly what they expected also the timeline of when it happened but in a photo widely publicized, which was said to show that Norma looks like Norma, and then the girl in the photo next to her was supposed to be Dahlia. So Dr. Sabag, who I pointed earlier out from that women's committee who, you know, is for women's rights, she points out that in the photo, some of Dahlia's hair is showing. And so that if it really was that strict of a family, right. even something like that would not have been allowed. Right. They even went and checked out the hospital that the book said it was, was it Palestine Hospital, uh, where Dahlia's body was supposedly moved to, which mentions a morgue in the basement. They do not have a basement. Um, a doctor who worked at the hospital who they talked to, uh, he was kind of funny because he was just reading through it. Um, and he, he got to the description of Norma saying that she's walking down this dimly lit hallway to this back room where they had Dahlia's body. And he was yeah. just like, that's all. He's like, he just went, dimly lit hallway. That's very dramatic. Um, <laughs> and then led them. To, and then, of course, he, you know, he led the cameraman down the very, 
the very brightly lit hallway to the cold room where Dahlia's body would have been. And he showed that, unlike the description in the book that mentioned that there were four tables with bodies on them, because the cold room, he said, like, this is our cold room. As you can see, it can't hold four tables. And they showed it. Oh. It really would not have held four tables, at least not with, like, cramming everything tiny. in there. Yeah, it wasn't very big. They had one, like, you know, the metal slab where the body would be on. Mm -hmm. They only had one. Right. So, and then Norma says Dahlia's body was moved by an ambulance. So that's not allowed. They were saying that even as, uh, as discreet and, you know, like hush-hush as some honor killings are, is that police still would have been called. It still would have been considered a murder scene. Right. Probably. And so that if the ambulance had seen it, they would have been like, no, we got to call the police. They would not have just taken the body away. Right. Yeah, because I think, like, in some of the countries that I saw, like, after they started doing laws about you can't kill your daughter just because mm -hmm. they upset you, people were like, okay, we're going to make her commit suicide. Or, sorry, complete suicide. Yeah. And so they just, like, so even in that case, they call the authorities and they're just like, oh, she, she mm -hmm. decided to kill herself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it should be pointed out that a lot of countries that may have, some of the countries that do have issues with, you know, these called these so-called honor killings is mm -hmm. that they have laws against it then what comes in is their actually someone you know their teeth behind that laws are actual persecution like same right. thing here we have laws against rape but then when it comes to actual persecution of it is when things yeah. get a little uh wavy so, there so yeah. the police would be called most likely just exactly the persecution of it is they'd very be low. like uh tisk tisk don't do it again yeah and then goodbye mm -hmm. And then also Dahlia's father, um, they said, uh, Dahlia, uh, Norma said that Dahlia's father was released on bail. They said if he was really being charged with murder, so the thing is he did get taken away by the police, so we know it was later involved, is that he would not be released on bail like, like Norma said. Mm -hmm. um, and she also said that his crime went before the Sharia court, and they said that would not have happened. Mm. Uh, at least not in Jordan. I can't speak for widely for other places, but right. the, um, she was like, no, that doesn't happen. And so, more importantly, well, though, was that Norma said that Dahlia's murder was never mentioned in the newspaper. And for the journalist and Dr. Shabag, uh, who really do work hard to bring light to these honor killings and, you know, trying to show that, like, denial is not a thing in Jordan. It's not that people don't know that it's not happening. This, come, again, comes to the persecution of it. They found that really insulting as well, just saying, like, you know. The, like, we're not ignoring it. Why are you trying to tell people who don't live here that that's what we're doing? Right. So they ended up... Um, like, look, we, we do a lot of shit that's fucked up. But this... Yeah. We didn't like, we're doing do. our best to, like, fix this. And you're making it look to, you know, to people who already have this idea of, like, what being in Jordan is like. They're a horrible place. Like, we're really working on this. And you're not giving us any credit and stuff. Right. And I can imagine someone whose life... Because, like, I mean, the journalist is, like, really, like, this is my life. This, my right. whole career is based around me talking about honor killings. And so you saying, oh, it wasn't published. Like, no one cares. It's, like, she's, like, well, fuck you, basically. Right. She didn't say that. She was much nicer about it. But <laughs> that was essentially her whole it's attitude like, was, don't, fuck you. Don't act like everyone in the society doesn't care. Yeah. Because that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, kind of – because they, they, they had copies of the book, everything underlined stuff. So they ended up sending a – dossier of all these errors uh to simon and chester and random house trying to have the book reclassified as fiction so random house was like let us check in with norma and then they came back and went everything's cool so nah yeah this kind of reminds me of memoirs of a geisha 
Because mm-hmm. I had a very similar issue where the guy was like, no, 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 this is this is true. It's true. And then, like, literally people from Japan were like, it's not fucking true. Yeah. We're historians. We have PhDs in this shit. We're from this country. It's not fucking true. And the guy was like, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just like, no, no, he said it's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, Norma, of course, um, came back and said that she doesn't, you know, care that she got the little facts wrong and stuff like that. She was all like, you know, who the fuck cares if the Jordan River doesn't run through Amman? Like, she's like, I'm not giving them a tour guide here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, my point was that this is a horrible tragedy that affects Jordanian women, right. and it needs to be brought, there needs to be attention brought to it. So, fuck all the little stuff, right? Right. Of course, Dr. Shabag did not give a shit what Norma thought about her little tiny details and what that meant, and so she decided to go internet sleuthing and ended up finding Norma's full name. Which is Norma Curry. I'm trying to remember how they said it in the movie, in the documentary. Majed Albakin Tolopoulos. Okay. Yes, it's it's a long name. So she was born in Jordan in 1970, but she came to the U.S. when she was three. She had before in interviews claimed that her American accent, which she did have, uh, came from going to an American school in Amman. And basically, through that search, it was that they believe that she likely never went to Jordan until two, again, until 2000. Mm-hmm. So a Sydney journalist, uh, Malcolm Knox, uh, kind of hearing about this and getting armed with this information, he was able to track her down to, sh- down to Chicago and was able to get in contact with Norma's brother, who said that he hadn't seen her for several years, and for all intents and purposes for him, she was basically missing. Like, he hadn't heard from her. Hmm. He didn't know what she was doing. And, but my God, was he really concerned about her kids? And this was like, what? Hmm. Because she had, in interviews, when people always ask, like, you know, like, when you came, when you, you know, when you left Jordan, escaped, you know, this seeming coming persecution, did you get married and stuff like that? She always said that she was married to her work. Like, she was in her 30s and stuff. She was even asked by someone, um, I don't remember who he was, but he was someone who was very much involved with her early, like, interviews and publishing and stuff like that. He even said, like, he had asked her, like, well, do do you have a boyfriend or something? And she said no. And so found out she had two kids. And she was married. She supposedly claimed that, you know, she was a virgin. I don't... Weird. Yeah, like, she was... I, I don't know if that was just implied. I, um, I'm just confused as why that's relevant. Like, she's in the middle of the interview, and they're like, tell us about your book. And she's like, well, I should mention I'm a virgin. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't remember what? exactly how it came up. I do remember one of the interview questions was someone wanted to ask, like, well, you know, since you come to the U.S., have you, like, had, you know, did you get a boyfriend or did you get married or something? And she mm. said, I'm married to the cause. Okay. Um, so I know that's been asked. I don't know if the she's a virgin was implied or if she did come out and straight up say that or said something implied enough to the sense that people would only come to that conclusion. Right. Now she had a friend, Rachel, who had um, kind of known Norma for the time that she'd been there. So they were in Queensland. Um, and she realized that she had unknowingly met Norma's family. Hmm. So she had been told that the kids that Norma was um, kind of taking care of, Zoe and Chris, were not hers, that their mother had been a prostitute who wanted nothing to do with them. Oh. And that she was taking care of them anyway. And so... This woman has, like, lying by proxy. Like, I was trying to think of, like, Mudgehouse's by proxy, but, like, just lying about shit. I'm not even done yet with her. It just just keeps going. (laughs) And so when, you know, uh, Malcolm Knox published all of his stuff, what he was finding, and there was starting to come this media fallout, is Rachel helped Norma get to the U.S. and she took her kids in. So, basically, this whole thing blew up and... Norma, of course, they were like, what are you talking, like, 
you know, everyone was like, Norma, you have to tell us what's going on. And she was saying, that she's like, yes, I did lie, but I did it for a reason. She said that Dahlia was real and she was murdered, but she did not mention that she had lived between the U.S. and Jordan. She, she did do a lie detector test, but we know how reliable those are. Yeah. She said that she changed the names to protect identities, and she lied about being married with kids to keep her family safe from people in Jordan. This point in the documentary is when we get to meet her husband, John, and maybe I shouldn't say this because it's, it's very subjective, but oh my God, I hate that man. <laughs> okay. He is like your stereotypical sleep, like his accent. I don't, it's like, I know it's because he's Greek and he, you know, so he has kind of that Greek accent, but it's like it on him, it's just gross. He's just gross. He had too Emily, many. You just insulted an entire ethnicity. I know. I'm not saying, well, the thing is, I'm like, he had, it's like, because I, I don't want to say. You could say his voice is gross. Yeah. I don't well, I don't want to say that. I'm not saying, so I'm not trying to say that, like, I think a Greek accent is, like, sleazy. Right. I think that's how it came across. But yeah. just, like. You think he's sleazy. Yeah. And, and just, he's gross. It is. And he just had too many buttons unbuttoned during his interview, and I just oh, was gross. not okay with it. Um, it's just everything that he said and did. I'm like, you're just probably a horrible person. Um, and then uh, Rachel recounts that Norma's children were really terrified that, like, the Muslims were going to come after them because that's what they were seeing in the media. That's what their mom had been telling them. Um, and basically just due to the media and stuff, like, Rachel had to really take the kids in so they, you know, didn't get to say goodbye to their friends, had to leave their school suddenly. Basically were stuck inside due to the media frenzy. Kind of with all the stuff now showing um kind of this hoax unveiled the publishers they were like they did you know of course they had you know been told before to change it to fiction and they were like no we're just going to stop publishing the book okay. okay so now so why then if norma is not really a refugee from jordan why did she leave the united states shortly after kind of signing her publishing contract and go to australia well as it turns out the fbi was involved because okay. she is a con woman. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Really mostly insurance frauds, according to the Chicago PD. She is said to have conned people out of money and fled in 1999. The case then went cold. I mean, like, what is the Chicago PD going to do? Um, but then the book got popular, and so soon the case heated up again. Um, and they talked about well, there was one, one con included uh, when she was pretending to be a Jordanian princess. And that she was stuck in a marriage and she wasn't happy. So she was telling this guy, like, give me money and I this can escape. This is the alternative and... to the Nigerian Yeah, prince. yeah. Like, she, yeah, she couldn't pass herself off as Nigerian. So she's like, Jordanian princess. That's what I right. do. So she also may have attacked her mother-in-law and threatened to kill her. Um, and there's a statement from one of her best friends who said that she was afraid of Norma. So hmm. Norma claims that she's not being investigated by the FBI. She said that she, you know what, when that came out, she walked right up into their office in Chicago and was like, Here's my ID. Here's this, you know. Here's the book, the story, everything about me. And they were just like, "What do you want from us?" She got, she walked in, she walked out. No one stopped her. She's like, "I'm not being investigated. I don't know what's going on." Also, does her husband have connections to the Greek mob in Chicago? Possibly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like of course it's like oh, it's just you know Greek man where right? he knows the mob. But I mean also like. Malcolm Knox, the Australian uh, journalist, he claims that he was getting several threats 
Rachel really felt like she was in the middle of a Hollywood movie saying that she was getting phone, like strange phone calls in the middle of the night saying that she had to gather paperwork and stuff and to help Norma and she just had it felt this crazy. This is bad, but who is Rachel again? Her that sister? Is, no, that was the woman in Queensland who's taking care of her kids right now and who's oh, friends right, with Norma. Right, right. So, of course, when they asked the husband, John, he was just like, ha, I'm not in connection with the mob. Um, he was like, or am I? And so it's just like, I don't know, John, are you? Like, just, just tell us. Um, I feel like he's one of those people that wants you to think he is, but he's probably probably no. I don't think he is. Um, he's, I, to me, he was just a sleazy guy. The, the mob doesn't want him. He's he's not worth much. And of course, you know, Norma says that if she was really only interested in the money, like everyone's you know was claiming, is then why did she stick around and do interviews when it makes more sense for her to sign the contract and then get the hell out of Dodge? You know, why did she try to bring a voice to the cause? Why was she trying to help? Why was she getting so invested? Why was she trying to help by making racism against Muslims even worse? God, right. she was just doing her. She's like I helped poor Jordan Jeez. women escape, so that makes me not a bad person. Right. So Rachel ended up taking care of the kids for three months, uh, and basically the financial strain, and basically the financial strain it caused on her uh, led her to her losing her home. Jeez. And basically, Rachel, who was just fed up with these, you know, these poor kids' parents, just doing God only knows what when their mm. kids are like scared and stuck in a house um so she eventually called the u.s consulate who were like thanks for taking care of these kids for us and then came and got them like four days later of course norma now owes rachel about fifteen thousand dollars um wow. but she still kind of believes that norma was mostly being pushed around by her husband john she says that she still believes norma like in her core is a good person mm. there was just a lot of extenuating circumstances so you know as a part of this documentary Norma, in an effort to help kind of clear her name and show that she wasn't lying, uh, she traveled to Jordan. And, of course, fearing for her life, she took a security guard with her. Uh, at this point, she tells us that Dahlia had, right, had never cut Michael's hair. You know, that wasn't allowed. They had never gone to the gym that she had mentioned earlier. She basically said that she changed the location of everything, and that's why so many things are wrong. Um, like she didn't even name the right cemetery that Dahlia's body was supposedly buried in. Uh, she said that she didn't want the true Dahlia, like true Dahlia's life to come to light with a girl who is, you know, this Dahlia. Um, and she doesn't want journalists going after the family. Like she really doesn't want to, um, throw like the actual events into public scrutiny. Mm. Um, so Anna Bernowski, who was at the helm of the documentary, it's her documentary, so she decided to go to the National Institute of Forensic Medicine to really try to find anything, like anything that proved that Norma wasn't lying. Because they just basically, like, they were like, we have this book that has every, like, death in the country of Jordan. Of course, then, in order for Anna to do this, she needed at least some real information. If everything you're saying in this book was you had to change all the facts and the details and everything, like, you have to give me the real thing so I can go and find it. Right. So basically, she was given the first name and the initial of the last name. And no, there was no case involving a stabbing brought from the Palestine hospital. Like, they didn't mm. have any record of that. And then, because everyone in Jordan has read this book, um, so they all have opinions. Just the guy at the Institute was all like, he, you know, Norma had claimed in the book that thousands of women died by honor killing, and at least in Jordan. Uh, and the reports from the Institute only say 12 to 17. And again, that, that, that small of a number could just be the fact that how it gets, like, defined. Right. But again, it's not, it's still not the, because he was like, we don't even and have a thousands of murders in this country mm. in a year. <laughs> so uh, definitely couldn't have one of just like one certain thing. 
So then Norma then went on to say that the actual murder happened in 2001. Mm. And that's why some of the, the details were off and stuff, because the years were different. Mm. So uh, Anna went back to the Institute, still found no record. Norma was upset that nothing was found, but later found out that um, her cousin who was there with him, he had transcribed the message to the Institute like through a text, and he did it in um, like Arabic. Mm. Uh maybe it norma found out that he may not have actually have sent the message saying that like their way of communication was not secure so basically there there's this very big fear of persecution about talking about this mm-hmm. so the thing is is that the book could be seen as propaganda following 9-11 and a lot of talk about saddam hussein amassing weapons mm-hmm. it very much fit into the mold of what was expected from a middle eastern you know person in a middle eastern life and Jordanians became very upset over the Western world's central focus on Jordan for honor killings. Right. So again, it's yeah, I could, I can't believe that happens in that con- that backwater country over there instead of looking at like what happens in the U.S. Right. and saying that honor killings only happen there. It's terrible that it happens, but we're good, and you right. should try to follow our example. Norma though says that she saw Jordan projecting the image that they were progressive toward women when they were not, and so she wanted to hit them where it hurt, which was their image by publishing this book. Activists, though, only see the book as casting Jordan as a backwards, oppressive place um, where they there are people who are working very hard to really try to eradicate honor killings in their society. Here's my thing. You can be both. Like, the, yeah. like for example, the United States. Like, yeah, we're progressive in some ways, but we're fucking still struggling. Mm-hmm. So you can be not perfect and have problems but you can still be working on those problems and you can still have a lot of people in that country working on a problem that the government is trying to ignore yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah and of course norma's response to that is that dr shabag is really only she says she's only a pawn for the jordanian government Mm. um and so though the negative effects is that dr shabag says that the book like the unfortunately is the book has forced them to slow down on their work because now when they would cover like honor crime, like after the publication of this book and when it kind of went big and Jordan found out about it, is that when they started to cover honor crimes, it was seen as being caused by pressure from like the Western world, which mm. over there, they're just really fucking tired of the West coming in and telling them how to do stuff. Right. So like it, it, it wasn't even then like other people could agree like, yeah, honor killings are bad, but they're like, no, but now the West is telling us that we shouldn't do, like we need to do something about it. And so then they're right. like, well, now I'm not going to do it. And so mm. it, it did negatively affect the cause. So Norma said that since she did change names, places, details, characterizations, she wrote something known as faction, which is fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to talk about honor killings and that's what matters. Um, she was not at all comfortable giving out any information and fear that the Jordanian government targeting uh, would start targeting her family if they couldn't get to her. Um, though at Anna's insistence, saying that they needed something, just a little bit to prove that Norma did not make it all up, like everyone was saying, she did speak with a forensic scientist. But uh, it turns out that the murder happened in the Irbid, which was outside of Amman, and this the whole thing got complicated with the guys saying that they didn't have the records there, they'd have to call like they, and it's just. And then, of course, the friend, like I said, everyone in Jordan has read this book, so that forensic scientist, he also got on her case about the Jordan River not being running through Amman, and mm. it's just a whole thing. Everyone's heard about it. And he was also just like, he's like, I go to the crime scenes of these things. And it, you know, it's everyone, everyone's offended, right? That she, right. Um, they don't feel like she's giving a proper re- representation. Uh, then they met with Norma's dad, who 
was not nearly as strict in the, I don't know in the in the books as she said he was right. like she was also making that up he was saying the book was about 70% correct and that he was afraid for his daughter to come back to Jordan he says that what Norma told was true and that he knew you know this person who hmm. was known as Dahlia okay. so they did eventually get a hold of a story about an Arabid woman who was pregnant by a local butcher and was killed by an older brother to cleanse the family right. you know of the shame that she's cast upon them and right. it was it was noted as being the 13th honor killing of that year so that was that was the one that like norma was kind of like you know yeah yeah that's the one i based this off of yeah, yeah. and it she had the same first name and stuff of that she had given uh and you know coming back though um to malcolm knox when he heard about some of the stuff coming um what she was saying is he was like, you know what, honor killings, it is a horrendous, horrible thing, and the fact that this woman is piggybacking off of that to make money, fame, and fortune is just also, like, is just a sick, fucked up thing to right. do. And Rachel, the friend from Queensland, is like, I think it's all just a load of bull. <laughs> Which, fair, she's been through a lot. Yeah. Now. Okay. But now this is also when it points out that the timeline... It starts getting a little wonky. She had earlier, like earlier, claiming when the book rights were sold versus now when Dahlia's now possibly her name possibly being Gata, uh, when her death was. So, like in an earlier in the documentary and like an earlier interview that had taken place, she said that the book rights were sold about six months before 9/11. Because I think some people were, because at the time people were accusing her of. Right. using 9-11 to sell this book because there had already so much animosity towards the Middle East. Right. Let's publish something that also makes them look shitty. She said that she sold the rights but had not finished the book at the time, but she then later said that Dahlia was killed in July of 2001. Anna had documentation that in August 2001, the book was four-fifths finished. Hmm. So how quickly could she have written this book? Like, what? It's, just, it's a whole lot of what the fuck is going on. And then, ha ha ha, fuck all of you and everyone watching this, but turns out the Gata story that they give him wasn't even the real Gata anyways. She said that was her friend's name. She said this was her. Turns out, no, it's not. Uh, uh, because they had video where, uh, I mean, first off, they asked Norma, and she gave this little secretive smile and was like, I already told you I wasn't going to give you the information. And there was video evidence of Norma calling the Arabid story, woman's story, like the one they found up the pregnant woman, was mm. she she called she referred to it as bait, so she really was baiting uh, the documentary team, including Anna, with this story. Um, also, the security guard is probably also not a security guard, even though there was this whole like yeah, this it's just and Norma was just saying that she couldn't trust Anna with the story and stuff, and that's why she lied. So of course she you know gave her a story of a, a woman saying this was her friend when it actually wasn't because she's like you wanted it, so I gave it to you. But yeah, and just, let's just, just so we know, I mean, Norma's first victim was an elderly neighbor, Mary. Norma stole $500,000 from her safety deposit box. Uh, Mary wanted to keep her home and was having Norma kind of like help take care of her. But instead, you know, Mary ended up in a nursing home. And uh, Norma claimed that Mary gave her these, like her bonds, saying like, give these to your children and stuff. Um, and then John and John's mother took it from Norma by threatening the children, saying, the, like, you know, like, if you don't give us this money, we're going to, you know, basically commit a drive-by, and if we miss you, we'll probably hit one of the kids and stuff. But there is a police report, and Mary does have medical records that said she had dementia, whereas Norma's like, 
if she did, I didn't know about it and stuff. And also the the bonds were cashed to Norma's accounts. The the house like there was a mortgage taken out in the house under Norma's name. She says all like the the everything was forged. It was all so. Faked. Is this just like the reason she left Jordan or no? This is all happened in Chicago. This is like oh. this is just this was she was trying to explain like stuff like she was being um like abused and stuff and so that's maybe uh, also why like, yeah she fled why she did the bad things that she did with the insurance fraud and even though john's her husband is he hasn't seen norma or his kids in two years at this point i don't know where the kids even are uh he had a problem with his visa and so he didn't go to australia he still says they're married Norma, not so much. She said she married him at 19, saying that he was controlling but did not get abusive until after the marriage. And then, you know, she was saying all this stuff about, like, him threatening her and stuff and being just an all-around shitty person. So Anna showed him that interview stuff, and he just responded with no comment. So God only knows where that is. And then as for the FBI, didn't drop that one just yet. Uh, so Norma did actually go to their office. And a Chicago attorney who knew about Norma's crimes, she said she doesn't know why they didn't arrest her. They had been, you know, asking her about um, all this shit that, you know, Chicago said she pulled. And the FBI wasn't willing to comment, but they did say that people they investigate usually don't know they're being investigated. Also, maybe she was abused by her father. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. This woman is crazy. I just feel like this story could have been summed up as woman lied. The end. <laughs> I just like... <laughs> And if anyone wants to actually watch this whole crazy thing and just see how much they can also hate John like I do, the documentary is called Forbidden Lies. Okay. The S at the end being a dollar sign. It's on It's on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's just a whole crazy journey about a woman who fabri- most likely fabricated yeah. an honor killing. She may have taken details from actual stories that have happened, but... Because right. I think like... Because that, when you started, I was like, this sounds familiar, but then you went off, and I was like, no, this isn't, so I feel like I must have heard, because I watched a whole docu-series mm. on various honor killings, mm-hmm. or it was called, like, Families Who Kill or something, so some of it was honor killing, some of it was just what we talked about, family annihilators, yeah. like, you know, it was uh, it was a mixed bag, but I feel like maybe one of the stories was similar to that, but this is not that story. No, this is just, this is the whole thing. Right. This, I mean, my opinion is that, yeah, like, I, I don't, I'll say I don't honestly know Norma's opinion on the cause of trying to, you know, eradicate honor killings. All I know is that the whole story to me is fake. She used, I mean, like, she, bits and pieces of actual stuff, but, right. you know, kept it probably vague enough that, 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 yeah, that could apply to any, you know, woman in, like, who's been killed for in that manner you know like mm-hmm. she also like it wasn't you know because she originally said right like dahlia was a virgin no it turns out she was actually killed when she was pregnant she wasn't stabbed she was shot it wasn't her dad who did it it was her brother like it was just nothing was right true that right. she said like it was it, it basically was fiction right and it really should have been a little bit lighter than um talking <laughs> about actual the, honor killings yeah those are pretty rough yeah I figured, I'm like, no, I'm just going to take you guys on a crazy journey instead with a fraud woman. Yeah. The the Jordanian princess. Right. Well, um, I think Penguin has been vocal enough about us shutting up and feeding him. Uh, Yes. Yeah. We should probably wrap this up. All right, then. Goodbye. As always, thank you.
Thank you for listening to Weird Science, hosted by Laura Moyer and Emily Gangness. If you'd like to get into contact, our email is wetalkweirdscience at gmail.com, spelled W-E-T-A-L-K-W-E-I-R-D-P-S-Y-E-N-C-E at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at weirdscience, spelled the same way. Cover art is by Morgan Kalka, whose Twitter handle is at player director. Music is by Josue Allen at J-O-S-U-E-A-L-N on Instagram. Thank you so much. Have a great day.